Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. So you yeah. can't sell out to just one organization and think they're taking care of everything encompassed in the hunting industry because they can't do that. We're going to give you a little secret right now. I don't want to give the secret away. A lot of those fish are spread out. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Prairie Sportsman Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. Heck yeah. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. Welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in right here on this station by downloading the podcast, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you. we got a great show for you. We talked to Anna V Outdoors last week. We talked to her for so long that we've got more to talk to her about. So she's going to be back on the show with us here in just a little bit. We'll get a Lake of the Woods fishing report. And uh, David Eckhart is going to join us from Texas. We'll find out what he's doing on what he's doing down there other than avoiding the snowstorm. That's Dan Amundsen over there. Dan, how you doing? Doing all right. We are... Uh, getting a lot of snow this week it was a lot of fun hopefully you uh, stayed warm and didn't have to travel we just hunkered down and got some work done yeah everyone might be dead this might be not <laughs> being listened to at all snowmageddon 2023 uh end of end of the world in the upper midwest here uh we'll see we're in the, we're recording this in the middle of the blizzard right now on wednesday so we'll see how things turn out that actually just started to snow like yeah. just now she came down heavy a little bit yesterday, and it's just starting to come down heavy on us here uh, today, middle of the day on a Wednesday. Uh, but we got a lot of work to do anyway because we spent, what, over a week on the road last week from uh, the Niagara River in New York. We fished on the Mississippi. We, uh, we fished on the, on, the, uh, on the St. Croix. Dan lost his sturginity. That's what they call it. So we'll find, we'll get that story uh, coming up here in just a little bit. And why did our plane home from Buffalo, New York get canceled? We'll tell you. But first, Stan, who are the sponsors this week? This week we have On X. Thank you to On X. Know where you stand with On X. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital. Plan a trip for this winter at Lake of the Woods or spring at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Live target. Match the hatch at livetargetlures.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Still time to book a trip to Devil's Lake. Learn more at haybellheights.com. Alclair Audio, save your hearing in the field with Alclair. Learn more at alclairoutdoors.com. Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic is coming up March 10th through the 13th at Canterbury Park. Learn more at mndeerclassic.com. Riverbend Resort at Lake of the Woods. Plan an ice fishing or spring rainy river fishing trip at riverbendresort.com. Ottertail Lakes Country, find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman, the new season is underway. Watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. And that Deer Classic is going to be a good time. That's March 10th, 11th, and 12th at uh, Canterbury Park in Shakopee. We're going to be out there March 11th, uh, the Saturday. That is uh, March 11th, yeah, from 10 to noon. So uh, stop by and uh, and say hi and join us. We're about halfway through the show season, so I got a couple of shows down. I actually stopped out at Pheasant Fest. So for everybody that I saw at Pheasant Fest, uh, it was good to see you guys. Uh, bun- met a bunch of new people. It was good to meet you guys. And uh, looking forward to next year's Pheasant Fest in Sioux Falls. Uh, so w- we're done traveling. We, we got back just in time to hunker down for the storm, but David Eckhart is joining us. He bugged out early to beat the storm and uh, flew down. <laughs> Where you at, David? I am in Texas. Texas. What are you doing down there? Uh, trying to shoot some pigs is what we're trying to do. All There's right. Not a lot of signal back in this lease. <laughs> are we losing you already right now? Yeah, we're just getting to the lease, so. All right, well, Hopefully real quick, lose 
Yeah, tell us about it. Like, uh, you've done this before, right? Do you guys use thermals, or how do you guys hunt the pigs down there? Uh, both. So the last time we did it, it was uh, cooler. The weather was cooler, so the pigs were out during the day more. But it's hot now. It's a nice change for Minnesota. I bet. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Sounds like you guys are getting there. Car doors or, tru or truck doors are slamming shut. Why don't we come back to you here in just a little bit, and we'll find out a little bit more about hog hunting down in Texas with Dave. And we'll do a little bit of Fish Facts trivia with you as well and uh, just a little bit. But Dan and I just got off the road. We were traveling for, what did we travel? was it, about nine days or so, something like that? Sure. <laughs> Go with that. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I can't remember either. But we started uh, with a couple of stops in Minnesota before we got on planes and flew out east. Uh, but the first thing we did uh, is we fished the Mississippi River. It was a trip that we'd wanted to do for a while with Tim DeMail from Fine Line Outdoors. And, uh, Dan, we met him. We were fishing down there, what, last April? Yep, day before Easter. Oh, yeah. Despite you guys not believing me after telling you that over and over and over again, that is what happened. Well, it, I think it's been established how good our memory is when it comes to trips and travel. Uh, well, I remember that. 30 seconds ago. Gosh, that light is bright. So it's Keep e looking right into it. <laughs> yeah, the lights are bright in here. It's easy to forget when, when and where we, we did that because we travel so much. But we traveled, and we happened to see Tim in a boat next to us catch nice walleye. We took a picture, struck up a conversation, and he said, hey, if you want to come back down and film. And we wanted to film an open water fishing trip in Minnesota with snow on the banks, a midwinter open water fishing trip. So we did that on the Mississippi. And were you surprised, Dan, at how clear the water was? No, that's pretty typical for, well, I shouldn't say it may be that clear as typical. It was real clear, probably three, four feet. Um, but it's th that's that water typically is clearer as far sure. as Mississippi River standards go. So I wasn't surprised by that. I mean, there's there's no runoff, so it's not all that surprising. And that's why fishing normally is tough come this time of year, because that water is clear. It becomes a morning-evening bite, and people don't think of the river that way, so they think they can go down there at 9 o'clock and hammer them all day. That's just not the case. You got to, you know, fish walleyes like you would almost in a lake. So, no, I wasn't really surprised. And it's it's just the conditions, you know, that, that dirtiness comes from runoff and, and other situations and other water flowing in and when other rivers are frozen and not flowing in and there's no rain and no obviously no snow running off until that day there was a little bit of course because it was warm but that's just uh it's it's not all that uncommon to to see it that that clear down there like that yeah that's right that was that saturday what a, uh, two weeks ago or whatever it was and it was beautiful about 40 degrees we did see a lot of other boats start to show up it got pretty busy on the river around midday but we got there the key we're going to give you a little secret night right now. I don't now. want to give this secret away. Well, that's what we're here to help people. I don't care. I want to. That's uh, it's not really a secret. People know they're just lazy. It is. It is definitely part of it because we got up super early to get there and it was not a lot of fun. But uh, fishing before it got very light out, and that's, again, clear water. That low light is uh, going to be your best time before sunrise and, at, you know, and after sunset. And that's what we found. I mean, we did catch fish uh, throughout the day. Yep. Uh, but the fish got a little bit smaller and a little bit more uh, sporadic, few and far between. But uh, before that, sun got real high. And it was it was a beautiful day. Like, it was sunny. It was calm. It was warm. I think it was nicer that day, mid-February, than it was the day before Easter last year. I think you're right. Because <laughs> I was dressed in my ice fishing stuff, I think, last Easter when we were down there. 
and uh, this time I, did, I was fishing. I mean, I layered up, but I didn't have my, my big heavy jacket on, my, my float suit or anything like that. So it was nice, but we caught fish uh, in the uh, the kind of the pre-dawn, pre-sunrise hours there. And I was surprised at the presentation, Dan. Why is that? Well, you know, usually you think about rivers. Uh, if you're thinking about some stained water, some some murkier water, you can usually use a heavier jig. And when you're talking about current, you need that heavier jig at times to get down there or some sort of, you know, current cutting jig or something like that. But uh, granted, the current was a little lighter. I think clear water, not a lot of current. Uh, we used really light jigs while we were down there. Yeah, well, I mean, the trick is not necessarily using a heavier jig. It's using whatever you it's doing whatever you need to do to get to where the fish are and in my philosophy that's do it as light as, and small as possible especially in winter and spring because these fish they're not super aggressive a lot of times they're just kind of hanging out down there and just slurping up bait they're not necessarily attacking um, like they will in the spring or summer but we used some smaller jigs and we, we, you had to let out a lot, a lot of line. We we're yeah. long lining these things, and a lot of people forget about that because you lose some sensitivity when you do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you want in my philosophy, whether it's bottom bouncing or jigging, is to always keep a 45 degree angle in your line and maintain contact with bottom. That's how you get the most sensitivity. We had probably a, almost, I don't know. A, a, it's been a while since I took a math class, so 160 degree angle maybe with our line. And it was I'll just go with it. Way out there, you know, and I don't know how much line we had out, but you couldn't hardly feel bottom. So you just, you had to kind of watch your line, watch for it to go slack when you hit bottom. You weren't going to feel it and just hold it there and drag it along the bottom, a little bit above bottom and wait for a fish to slurp it up. And, and man, it worked. Yeah, it worked, and it was it was tough to get the feel for it if you weren't used to fishing that way. And it was a soft bottom, kind of a sandy bottom. So even when you did hit bottom, you didn't feel much. There was some pretty good thumps when you caught fish, though. Oh yeah, they were thumping it pretty good. And I'll tell you what, Tim Tim Dumel definitely had the the system dialed in, and he outfished us and uh, and caught some nice fish. So thank you, Tim, for taking us yeah. out. There. He, he's only done it like every weekend of his whole life. That's right. <laughs> He's you pretty good at it. See that episode coming up on Prairie Sportsman. And we actually filmed two episodes of Prairie Sportsman on rivers in Minnesota here in the last two weeks. And the second one, uh, is it fair to say it's your old your old stomping grounds, Dan, or at least a place you fished yeah. a few times? I mean, I've, I've fished the St. Croix quite a bit. Um, not a whole lot in the winter and definitely never for sturgeon, although I will say I regret not fishing it for sturgeon more. Yeah. If I had really known what that gig was all about, I'd been I'd have been doing that all the time because it's relatively easy once you have the gear for it. Um, but I just didn't take advantage of it, which I did. But, yeah, I mean, that's was weird 15 minutes from where I used to live. Easy fishing uh, in the sense that having uh, a nice heavy rod and uh, the, the right rig and setup, and then you just kind of put some crawlers and, and minnows on there and just set it down on the bottom and wait for fish to come in. And Darren Troseth, you know, if you're going to fish the St. Croix for surging through the ice, why not call the guy that holds the record for the biggest fish uh, in Minnesota, the biggest sturgeon in Minnesota? And Darren brought us out and we filmed for Prairie Sportsman. But I'll tell you, one piece of equipment, Dan, that was the game changer for this trip for us. The live scope. Yeah. Did it help us catch more fish? No. But did it keep us entertained? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and a little more frustrated at times, too, because there was a lot of fish that we probably would have never known were there that we saw that wouldn't bite. But we also got to play them more. We got to work them. And 
it was there was a lot of heart racing going on when we'd have oh, yeah. sometimes two, three sturgeon rolling in at once, trying to get them to turn around and see that bait. And well, they can't see it; they're smelling it, and trying to just bottom feed it up. And I didn't know that sturgeon really roamed in pairs and threes like that. I thought they were just kind of a one one off fish, but I think we saw them in pairs more than by themselves. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, we'll save the final tally of how many fish we caught until you see the episode. But I will say it's been a little slow out there for him. And in fact, when he had clients out on Friday, I think they only saw two fish on the live scope and they caught one of them. And we had, like Dan said, multiple fish come through and pretty much all afternoon and evening uh, got a little slow after dark. Things started to turn off a little bit. But we had we had some action. Yeah, it is definitely frustrating when you see those fish come in on the live on the live scope and uh, and they don't eat. But man, and you can't really jig them up. That I think that might have been the most frustrating part for me, Dan. Is it's it's like you see the fish come in, and you can see them kind of come in on your bait a little bit, and you can jiggle it a little bit, maybe stir up the bottom, just get their attention. But you can't jig the fish up like you could a crappie or you know a walleye or something like that because of where their mouth is positioned. They don't really feed up, so you got to keep it down there. And it's hard. It's hard to work a sturgeon. I found out. I think is was the lesson I learned. Yeah, well, like I said, they can't really see it down there, especially after dark. And so you're really just moving it more to try to trigger, you know, their feeling. They're going to feel it along their lateral line or <laughs> or smell it or stir up the bottom and We're feel those We're triggering their feelings now, Dan? Is that? Is that yeah. <laughs> We're trying to offend them so much that they just slurp it up. But no, I mean, like I said, they just can't see it. So it's it's all about vibrations and feeling and, and whatnot. And so, yeah, you can't just get it above their eyes and, and have them come up and strike because but yeah you're right because of their mouth too so multiple factors there it's it's a it's different kind of fishing but man it it is fun and we're gonna we're gonna save the rest until you watch the episode of prairie sportsman but we'll say this when dan lost the sturginity the rod holder ended up on top on like at the top of the house hanging from hanging from some of the camera equipment and we'll just leave it at that make you watch for it coming up on an episode this season on prairie sportsman so it's going to air sometime in the next two months or something like that. All right. Uh, coming up later in the show, Anavi Outdoors, also Joe Henry. And uh, I want to talk about Niagara just for a second. And we'll play a little clip from our trip to the Niagara River, which was uh, Niagara Falls. So I, you think about Niagara Falls as a tourism destination and it's a great place to go. It's a beautiful scenic site. But that's not the only reason to go there. The Niagara River turned out to be just an incredible fishery while we were there. And it's about a 30-mile stretch between uh, Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. And, Dan, when you saw the river, did it look the way you expected it to look? Um, I mean, it, uh, not really, you know. Well, the one thing that stuck out to me is we always talk about rivers, whether it's the Mississippi or the Rainy River or the Minnesota around here that, hey, you can go and fish these with a small boat. Take your 16, 15, 14 footer with a whatever motor and, and go fish it with no problem. That's not the case here. There's some turbulent water. There's some it's not big water. It's not the right word, but it can get a little sketchy. It can get sketchy. You kind of want to know kind of want to know what's going on when you're out there in, in a, a smaller boat sometimes isn't going to cut it to get to some spots where we fished. And you definitely want to go with a guy that has knowledge, local knowledge of that river because river levels fluctuate with the the, the hydro dam that's there. And it's huge 200-foot 200 200-foot cliff and hillsides. You're in this big river gorge, essentially, and a couple of spots it narrows up, and you get rushing white water in a sense. And if you look at it, like we stopped and looked at it from the top, and it almost looked like, you know, shallow, 
you know, like you'd be in a, a raft, like you'd want to raft it. But a lot of those places where you see this white water churning is still 20 feet deep there. There's just that much water kind of funneling through that narrow area. So it was a really cool trip. It was a beautiful area. And man, what a fishery between those two big lakes. And I, I didn't realize how close to Toronto we were, Dan. Yeah, I didn't really either. I knew we were kind of in the vicinity, but I didn't think we'd look at it. Yeah, I didn't. Or either. think of it as a potential option to fly out. And of, after some issues. Yeah, no kidding. And no offense to Toronto, but that's the way I want to experience <laughs> Toronto or any big city for that matter is in a fishing boat on the lake fishing and versus being in the city. Uh, but yes, we are, our, our flight home from Buffalo then got canceled and uh, well, let's bring David back on here. David, can you guess what, what the cause was for our flight getting canceled? Well, you told me, but oh, well, not act, what I act like you don't would, know. Would cancel. <laughs> That's right. Well, it wasn't weather. I mean, it's there was a little bit issue. of weather, but uh, we're standing there, and all of a sudden, our our flight got delayed. And then I got an email saying the flight got canceled. So we went up and talked to the the lady at the gate there, and she goes, "Oh yeah, they had a broken windshield wiper." So we are uh, we are in charge of getting our own hotel room and spending another night and finding a different flight out the next day yeah and and remember when we were checking in though they were like oh yeah this plane's got an issue but don't worry you'll be just fine it'll be on its way they'll get a replacement (laughs) oh yeah oh okay sure yeah they reassured (laughs) us there'd be no issues but we got to spend another day in lovely buffalo new york all right david eckhart from texas right now joining us here and uh we're gonna play a little fish facts trivia right now before we take a break and give you a sneak peek at our niagara river trip and then get into lake of the woods and uh anna v outdoors too fish facts trivia number one uh, what is the difference so on niagara river it was mainly steelhead fishing also lake trout walleye and brown trout but what is the difference between steelhead and rainbow trout is it a the steelhead have no dorsal fin is it b rainbows only eat vegetation is it c rainbows stay in freshwater while steelhead travel from ocean into tributaries to spawn or is it d steelhead can breathe out of water and actually walk on land i'm gonna go with d (laughs) (laughs) yes that is correct steelhead can breathe and walk on land now uh it's actually some controversy about this rainbows are uh, the, the way they try, I mean, they're the same fish, essentially, but because of their environment, they grow a little bit differently. Uh, rainbows will generally just stay in freshwater, you know, uh, lakes and streams, whereas steelhead will travel from the ocean up into tributaries to spawn. And then you hear about, well, the Great Lakes, I mean, they call those steelhead. Like on the North Shore of Minnesota, they call those steelhead. So what the heck? And people out west are like, nah, man, those are just rainbows. The lake run rainbows. I don't know if they talk like that out That west. sounds like they're from the south. Yeah, <laughs> so that was the wrong accent. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so there's some controversy about it, but uh, you ask a lot of these people that have fished both West Coast and the Great Lakes, and they'll they'll take a steelhead, an ocean-run steelhead from the West Coast, and a, and a lake-run steelhead from the Great Lakes, and they're pretty much identical. So uh, for, for the most part, they're steelhead up in the Great Lakes as well, too. All right, we were in New York. What is the New York State record steelhead? Is it 25 pounds? Is it 65 pounds? Is it 31 pounds? Or is it six? Six pounds. I'm going to guess 31. 31 is correct. Rob Wilson of Talmadge, Ohio, was trolling out of Olcott, New York, on August 14th, 2004. When he was fishing with a pirate 55 spoon, arr, he caught himself a steelhead, 31 pounds, 3 ounces. That stretched the tape to 39 inches long with a 26-inch girth. It's a nice fish. 
And finally, what is the Minnesota State record steelhead? Is it 25 pounds? Is it 8 pounds? Is it 16 pounds? Or is it 6? Six? 6 pounds. 16. Dan, did you want to guess? I haven't really let you guess. That's okay. You never let me play the game anyways. <laughs> 16 pounds and 6 ounces. Yes, that is correct. 33 inches long with a 19 and a half inch girth, and it was caught in the Devil Track River in 1980. Now, I wonder, they don't have a catch and release steelhead record. In, uh, in the North Shore, you have to release, right? All wild steelhead, you have to release. They don't have a catch and release record, so I wonder if that record has actually been broken, but they haven't been able to do anything about it. Because there's been some nice steelhead caught, you know, up in the North Shore. So there you go. Fish Facts Trivia. David, have fun down in Texas. Shoot some hogs. Thanks for being on the show. That's the plan. Anavi yeah, Outdoor. No out. bring me back some bacon. Anavi Outdoors is coming up in, uh, in just a little bit. And Joe Henry will join us next with the Lake of the Woods Fishing Report. Here is a peek at our, our trip to the Niagara River. So we are in Niagara Falls, which is in the center of the Niagara River. We have 15 miles to the south, we have Lake Erie. 15 miles to the north, we have Lake Ontario. So you have the best of both worlds. So my, my region for game and fish basically spans from West Virginia to Virginia to you know northern Maine. Um, and this really is one of the more unique areas in the whole that whole region because of the species. It's the size of the fish that are here that, and, the, and the diversity that really makes it special. Yeah, we're pretty blessed. I mean, we have what I consider the best freshwater fishing in the country. I don't think you can go too many places and find the size, the diversity, and the numbers of fish that we have. So it's pretty, pretty unique. One of the cool things is you can catch just about everything that swims here with a seven foot, seven and a half foot, medium power, fast action rod. So people think, my gosh, I need, uh, you know, heavy tackle to, to come catch a, you know, 12, 13, 14 pound lake trout or a steelhead. This is the tackle that the guides use too. So we're using um, the new Crosstrek fishing systems from St. Croix. These came out last year at ICAST. They became available to anglers, I think in November. Fish, fish, fish. Proud of you, bud. Yeah, thank you very much. The backbone of what makes these events work for us is what makes a glow work, and that is getting um, all of our media types or all of our membership types in the glow to get them all together. And you know, our basic membership types here are our tourism members, our corporate product members um, and our media people and get those people all in one place so that they can network. A glow has been wonderful. I got to go on this trip, yes, to the Niagara region. We got to go fishing on the Niagara River, got to catch a big walleye. So it's been a phenomenal trip. Um, yeah, a glow has been good. Here we go. That was fun. You good, Dan? These are cool fish. The river itself was very striking with, with the cliffs on either side, uh, especially the, the water. I was, I was mesmerized by the water. 
the best opportunity to garnish the most information is to going to the uh, NiagaraFallsUSA.com website. It contains everything about the outdoors, from fishing charters to you know launch ramps to uh, you know access points for the public to where to get your fishing license. Uh, you know, in addition to uh, biking, hiking, and everything else that that go along with you know the outdoor experience. Don't miss the 2022 Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic at its new location at Canterbury Park in Shakopee, March 11th through the 13th. This year's Classic features top hunting celebrities like Driven TV's Pat Nicole Reeve, Lee and Tiffany Lakoski of The Crush TV, and Melissa Bachman. Get your antlers scored, view more than 300 antler entries, and see the latest hunting products, plus a great lineup of lodges and outfitters. For complete details on the 2022 Deer and Turkey Classic, visit mndeerclassic.com. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Haybell Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEX winner, the ultimate frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the ultimate frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And ICAST and FTEX winner, the live shrimp mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. Now it's time to check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism to get a fishing report from that big old walleye factory in northern Minnesota. Joe, who's definitely not still driving, joining us here on the show. He's pulled over and parked, if you're listening to this on the radio. Joe, how's it going? Hey, gentlemen, how are you guys? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, where are you coming home from? You know what? Coming home from Lake of the Woods. I uh, was just up there doing a little, uh, I had some meetings and stuff, and uh, you know, I actually had a chance to fish uh, this morning with uh, Congressman Pete Stauber for uh, District 8. And uh, really a, a neat experience, Brett. You know, uh, Congressman Stauber is a, a big supporter of Lake of the Woods County, you know, uh, with redistricting. You know, last year we had uh, Congresswoman Michelle Fishbach as our representative. And, you know, this year it's, it's Congressman Pete Stauber because of redistricting. And, you know, he's always had that northeast corner of the state. Actually goes all the way down to north of the city. And... Uh, really a big uh, district but district eight um but yeah lake of the woods is new to him so he came over to give us a little bit of love and support us and talk about how important that tourism is to not only northern minnesota but you know uh, certainly lake of the woods county how did he do he did good he did really good you know uh, he wasn't uh he wasn't real used to using uh, electronics for ice fishing so i set him up with my electronics and got him doing the one-two punch of jigging one line and dead stick in the other one and uh you know, I think he got uh, most of his fish jigging, uh, got one on a dead stick. But, uh, you know, yeah, he, he picked it up quick. You know, I mean, uh, you could tell he wasn't he wasn't overly used to doing it. But, well, I'll tell you what, after uh, seeing a few fish on the screen, you know, and, and talking to, kind of talking him through about, all right, man, you got about 10 to 30 seconds to make that fish react. You got to do something different. And uh, he started trying different things and, you know, started setting that hook a little 
harder. And I mean, I, I was impressed. He really did a nice job. Looks like you had a good conversation with him, and it looked like a few uh, uh, faces that I recognized there in that picture. And then also, I think we've done a podcast from those same tables. It was a darn good one, too. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, we had a, we had a meeting with them. It uh, happened to be we rotate resorts when we do things like that, but we were at Arneson's Rocky Point, you know, for our meeting, and that was, a, of course, a great atmosphere to, to hold a meeting at. And, uh, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, really, really we had a, a tourism board meeting, and, you know, we had uh, – Congressman Stopper join us for that, talk about some different topics and issues and things. And then, you know, uh, we took him fishing just uh, just for the morning. And, uh, again, really, really a, a very productive visit. And um, we appreciate the support. You know, not everybody uh, understands that tourism is the number one industry up in Lake Lewis County. And, you know, we got basically 68 different lodging businesses that include, you know, sleeper fish houses and Airbnb, Airbnb, DRBL. Uh, hotels and resorts so really uh tourism is important to our area you know the other thing that you know i don't think everybody realizes is that you know that tourism is important to the rest of the economy i mean when you take a look at uh, there's a five to seven time trickle down effect for every dollar spent on lodging you know that's uh that's important to you know, to the to the whole county and to all of the northern minnesota anywhere that has tourism so it's again for all those reasons, he was there supporting us, you know, and advocating for us and such, and it's very much appreciated. Well, that's good. I hope if he's going to be representing you guys that he would come and, and visit and, and learn about the area and also do some fishing. I love it when I see see those guys actually get out there and do some of these things that mean so much to people of this state and people that are invested in the, the local economies that involve these type of recreational activities. And with the snowstorm, Joe, of course, uh, conditions are going to be changing just a little bit, but how were pre, pre-snowstorm this week, how were conditions at Lake of the Woods? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, you know, up there it was sunny and, uh, you know, um, you know, I think Northern Minnesota is going to get missed by a, a the majority of it so um so things were great and uh you know uh, fishing is, is february fishing so that really means that a lot of those fish are spread out i think the oxygen content of the water is probably a little bit lower so you really have to fish every single fish and you know it, it helps to have electronics um and then you know uh, i'm talking to some of the guides too they were talking about how you know you need to be about three to six inches off the bottom you use some small jigging smooths with a a piece of minnow head or a piece of tail. I'm using a plain hook, you know, chartreuse or uh, or even a pink hook, and uh, having a live minnow on that about uh, you know four to six inches off the bottom. Also, you know, all, all those little things and working every single fish. Pretty soon, by the end of the day, if you work every bite window, every small school that comes through, you're gonna have you're not fishing your bucket, and that's the name of the game, you know. Well, it's not too early to start thinking about uh, Rainy River and spring fishing. Of course, you got the extended walleye season up there, too. And we'll talk more about that next week here on the show, Joe. But if people want to get a get a late winter, early spring trip planned to Lake of the Woods, what should they do? Well, you know, remember, Brett, you know, I've been Lake of the Woods. You know, despite what they say in the media down in the metro area, you know, ice fishing up at Lake of the Woods is extended. So we go through, you know, March 31st with our fish houses. And then, you know, walleye and saugers, April 14th pike never closed so we got hypothetically depending upon mother nature of course we got a whole potentially month of ice fishing left so it's it's frozen up there there's three feet of ice and uh, it's still winter but if you want to find out more about uh, you know ice fishing march or, or even spring fishing the rainy river best thing to do is check out our website and that is lake of the woods man.com 
Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the northwest angle to the south shore, Rainy River and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, Sauger, Perch, and Northern Pike, Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to lakeofthewoodsmn.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. It's ice fishing season and time to plan your trip to Riverbend Resort on Lake of the Woods. Stay at the Lakeside Resort along the Rainy River in one of their new cabins and enjoy delicious meals and hot or cold beverages in the Miles Lab Barn Grill. Or stay in one of their comfortable sleeper houses on the ice complete with a TV, stove, and lots of walleyes right beneath your feet. You also have the option of staying at their motel, the Walleye Inn, located in Bidet. Book your ice fishing trip to famous Lake of the Woods today at riverbendresort.com. That's riverbendresort.com. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. All right, last week we had Anna V Outdoors here on the show, and we talked to her for so long we couldn't get it all in last week's show. So here is the second part of our interview with Anna V Outdoors. So are you training dogs again then? Do you, you have a kennel? Okay. I'm not training dogs anymore, but I did open my kennel back up. It's a great place. I put my heart and soul into it. The property here is amazing. Um, this originally was a golf course. And now, well, we were going to put cows on it, but we ended up putting cows somewhere else because my dad decided to put a fall festival in the backyard. And oh, I had we're just, just going to put a fall just, festival in the backyard. We're just going to put a fall festival back here. <laughs> um, so I lived across the county line in in my dream house in a little Mayberry I'd wanted to live in since I was a teenager, and. Then the dog thing happened and I ran out of room there and he was like, well, just come on over here with us over to the golf course. We call it the golf course. None of us play golf. <laughs> I mean, my dad swung a golf club one time on the cruise ship. And um, so I was like, okay, I'll turn the cart barn into a kennel. It's a 40 by 70. I mean, it's perfect. So we tore it down to the concrete and rebuilt it. And, um, you know, you can put a lot of dogs in there, and I had amazing property to run and train with the fairways and the ponds oh, yeah. and everything. And so, a golf course sounds one... perfect for dog training. Yeah, I know, I know. And so, a lot of my friends in the retriever world love to come out here and just run marks just to practice to get on different ground. Uh, but this just wasn't in my calling. Like, at the end of the day, I'm a shooter, and I love running dogs. But just 
my kids age and the season of life, it just, it was juggling too much. And so I was like, okay, what am I the best at? And, um, and so that's kind of what happened. I'm going to run dogs. I'm going to let somebody else train them and I'm going to have a heck of a time doing it and enjoy doing that with my kids. So, so you're running dogs, you're uh, mowing fairways in the backyard or whatever you're doing oh, back there. You, yeah, we're just going to board sporting dogs. So we've got double barrel kennel, home away from home for your sporting dogs. And I've just put a, a boarding program together for these high energy dogs that's used to getting so much activity built in their day. Uh, so we're catering to that. We're going to keep a really small number and, you know, you know, depending on their their training if they've got a great solid recall and stuff like we can do water days and we can get them out you know in the big fields and then i've put up a little agility course just to have fun with them while they're here with us sure so you're you're i'm just trying to list all the things that you're doing so then you're all you're designing hats and then you're uh you're also a pistol instructor Certified not anymore. Oh, you're not doing it. I, I hung that up. That's that's how I got started. Yeah. Um, Caleb Copeland, <laughs> he lives right down the road from me. So he has um, Copeland Production, uh, Copeland Creative. I don't know if you've met him or not, but he's a producer in the big game space. And he was my first friend in the outdoors because he was a local guy. And uh, he loved what I was doing in the pistol world and all this stuff. And I'll never forget calling him one day and saying, I'm quitting this. I went against his advice and, and, you know, stop, stop training all the ladies with the pistols and, and, and it was fun. I mean, we were in a silage pit shooting pistols all the time, you know, and, and on, on an old dairy farm that had, that had been closed and they were, they had switched to crops and it was fun. Like this whole thing's just been a journey. So I, I'm, I'm only doing three things. I've got my kennel that I'm boarding. I've got my podcast, which we haven't talked about, All American Wing Shooting Podcast, and and that's really been spun out of just gratitude and and showcasing the people that mentored me. I've never had a female mentor, and but I've had so many ad adopted family uncles and dads along the way that just taught me something and then passed me on, you know, to the next town that I went to, and so. I just, I, I want to showcase all these people because so many um, influencers are behind the scenes. Yeah. And I just wanted to make sure that the world knew who they were. Sure. Well, what that brings up a question, you know, as a, as a female in this, in this industry, I mean, it's talked about as a male dominated industry and it still is, but there's obviously mm -hmm. a big, big increase in uh, participation from, from women. What, what do you think the, I mean, do, do you need more female mentors or do you need more men that are willing to cater to female? What's your perspective on women in the outdoors? Well, I run into very few men that are not catering to women in the outdoors and super supportive. So I know that we hear of women that have bad experiences, but I have never had one. And I've kind of dabbled in as much as you possibly could dabble in. Um, so I'm very fortunate to be able to say that I've had nothing but support and love from the industry that way. Um, as for women, um, I just, I still don't think there's a lot of them. 
I mean, they congregate together. So I think that right. a lot of them appear to be in larger numbers than the reality. But, I, you know, I was traveling 50,000 miles a year for years. Uh, I mean, this is my sixth year. So I guess for like three or four years, I've done that. And I'm still the only chick at camp. So... Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, you haven't had bad experiences. And I honestly, I mean, yeah, it's mostly men that we're around, but occasionally when there are women around, I've never seen anything personally or publicly where it's been a bad situation for them. Usually people are pretty open to, to having whoever, whoever wants to come out and hunt. You know, if somebody really mm -hmm. wants to do it and wants to learn, I don't think anybody's going to turn, turn that person away, regardless of who they are or, or anything like that. I don't so. Think so. Yeah. And I, I want to ask you too about a couple of other things. Uh, I'm looking at your website here, AnnaVOutdoors.com. Uh, it says you're an ambassador for SEI. You do a lot with SEI, right? Oh yeah. SEI has been uh, amazing for me because for so long, I just, I just uh, shared the message that if we don't have our gun rights, we don't have anything. So we can invest all we want in habitat and it's so important. So yeah. I still promote the, you know, the message and mission of Quail Forever and Pheasants Forever and have so many friends that are involved in that organization. But my personal message through Anna V Outdoors was always pay attention to what's really going on. There's fine print that's out there that nobody's paying attention to that the hunters tend to just get lost in our little bubble and, and no idea what is going on in DC. Yeah. And so those people need support. So it was actually Trevor Santos, um, here in Georgia. Can't he, uh, I forgot even how we met. We were probably like NRA convention or shot show or something. And he came to me and he says, I hear you say this all the time. Have you ever thought about working with SCI? And I was like, I don't even know what that is because they haven't had a, a real big presence, you know, in the Upland world. And so once I started working with them, man, all of the people across the country with SCI have just become like family to me. They have mentored my kids. Uh, I, I mean, I just can't say enough about it. I was just with Laird Hamblin, who's the CEO, CEO of SCI just two weeks ago at Prairie Wildlife in Mississippi. And we shot Halise together. And then actually we started the season together in California. We started um, waterfowl season together in California this year. And so I've just been so, there he is, so fortunate to make amazing friends. And like JC spent the summer in DC. She, uh, she was interning for CSF, but she got to network with the SEI office there and all those people. So she works convention with me. Convention's coming up at the end of the month. So if you are anywhere near Nashville, you are not going to want to miss this. It is, um, rows and rows and rows of outfitters and vendors, uh, in just in every aspect of the hunting industry. And, it feels close, like a little family. So it's kind of broadened my horizons. I mean, I'm still not willing to give up a weekend of my dog's life to sit in a deer stand, but <laughs> I, I enjoy looking at the mounts and, and, you know, and listening to the stories of the other lodges. And I think that's probably a really cool aspect that I get to do at convention. Um, I, I did it last year. I'm, I'm planning to do again this year is go around and interview these lodge owners and talk about their family legacy and what has driven them to stick it out in this industry. It's not easy. 
Yeah. Uh, but it's so rewarding and everybody has their own personal story. And I just, I, I get motivated from here and no matter if they're bird dog people or not, you know? Well, and it's, you know, and you brought up a pretty important right there, pretty important point in there that we've really been trying to make that a mission of ours here as well, too, is just stand up for our rights as hunters and, and gun owners. And honestly, it's, it's, it's really the same thing. I mean, you, you, a lot of people will differentiate between those two. You have gun owners and you have hunters out there, but re in reality, it's the same thing. And when you talk about politicians wanting to restrict gun owners' rights, you're, I mean, he's talking, they're talking directly to hunters and it just doesn't yeah. look like that on paper. And, no. you know, we started this uh, Fish Hunt Forever. It's our new YouTube channel and it's a new thing that we're doing here. And the, the mission behind it is I fish, I hunt and always will. And the idea is that we're going to be more uh, more active in advocacy when it comes to hunters' rights, gun rights, and things like that. Because if we don't stand up for it, and we are, and, and what you talked about, how hunters we get in our bubble, and you're right, like we just want to go sit in a stand or go walk some grass or whatever, mm -hmm. get away from the world, just you and your dog or you and nature, whatever it is, just go live off the land and do your own thing. I think we all want that, but at the same time, if you aren't actively participating in some sort of advocacy or knowing what's going on in politics, knowing what's going on in DC, it'll all get taken away from us eventually. And I know oh, I, that'll never happen in our lifetimes. Well, it's, it's probably closer than it's ever been. And it's getting closer yeah. and closer every day. I mean, if you look at the state of the union here this week and they, them talking about, um, you know, banning assault Whoa. weapons or whatever, uh, there, there are people <laughs> trying to do it and trying to stop us from, from legally owning guns. So it is something that's very important. And maybe it's because I'm getting older and, and I'm realizing, you know, the bigger picture when it comes to the outdoors and things that we enjoy doing and what we love to do. And if you don't have people that take a stand and, and that's what makes those conservation organizations, SEI or Pheasants Forever, that's what makes a Ducks Unlimited Delta Waterfowl. That's what makes them so important is they are out there advocating for us and doing some of that dirty work. And they've got people in Washington that are out there paying attention to bills and legislation that's going on that could affect us as hunters. So it's important for us if nothing else, to be aware of what's out there and what's going on. You make a good point about that too. So this is what I've learned um, and why it's important not to sell out to one organization. And I've just had this conversation. I've, uh, now that I'm back down south, I've partnered with a few lodges down here um, to host events and just help them stay connected with these types of things. And everybody has their niche right so when you're looking at outdoor industry organizations there are some that are pretty much habitat only and there are some that are just like gun right only and it and it takes all of them so you yeah. can't sell out to just one organization and think they're taking care of everything encompassed in the hunting industry because they can't do that there's just not enough manpower under one organization to focus on that so um that was another reason why I wanted to team up with SCI because everybody assumes that it's all about safari hunting and there's right. a lot of safari hunting. Lord have mercy. I want right. to go and wing shoot <laughs> in Africa now after meeting these people and doing podcasts. Um, it's, it's just been eye opening to me about how we can just get lost to what's going on in our backyard. And I'm so guilty of it right now because I came back to Georgia 
I leave for three reasons. I mean, like, and I mean the house. I leave to take Tater <laughs> to school because she's now in public school because she's been homeschooled for the last three years. So she's been in school like two months. I leave to go to church and I leave to go to Chick-fil-A. And that's about <laughs> it. And and so here, like, it's something that we haven't even scratched the surface of that I just recently went through is I can no longer have a Facebook. Yeah. Um, it went away. My original accounts went away in the summer. So December, when I said, okay, I'm going to reopen my kennel. I'm going to get on Facebook Marketplace and start shopping antiques. I, I started another account. I was on there for 10 minutes. All The only post I had that said, um, my account had been suspended. I've started another one, like starting over. That's it. So then I get a notification that I breached community standards mm. again. Gone. I'm like, holy smokes, I am on somebody's hit list is what happened. Yeah, what did so you post a, anything in particular that they flagged or what what was the reasoning behind no, it? That was the only post. I just said, Hey, y'all, I'm back. So then that was on a Friday. Sunday morning I get up, two days later, and I log on to my Instagram and it's acting funny and then all of a sudden it's gone hmm. and whatsapp starts sending me notifications i get a ransom message from some hacker that they have my instagram and they are asking for ransom oh gosh so i'm like <laughs> what it's what? my career over like i finally figured out what i want to be when i grow up and now i gotta start all over i'm too old for this <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so I literally just, I fought for it, man. I've had people in the music industry, SEI, I mean, anybody that had any connection to Instagram, try to get my account back. It's been deactivated, so we can't find it. So it looks like I literally have been erased off of social media. Aww. So here's the kicker. I tried to start a new account. Instagram won't let me start a new account. So luckily, me and my dreaming personality, as Dima says, I'd had a few other accounts that I never did anything with that I just wanted to secure the name. So I was able to go and switch a name on that account. Now, if they if they delete me again, there's no guarantee that I will ever get to have another social media. That's ridiculous. Like, what is going on with social media? You know, honestly, I went, when Elon Musk bought Twitter, I thought we might be seeing the, the, a, a turnaround. And maybe we are. You know, there's, there's a lot going on re, uh, regarding social media in these days. I but don't know. I don't know either. I mean, and then when you try to have some sort of alternative platform out there, what was that one? Parlor? Is that the one that they tried to start? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, oh, we're not going to have it in our app store and this and that. And they're, oh, we're going to show Amazon had their servers, I think. We're going to shut down your servers. It's like, what? Is this America? Or, you know, did, did I, did we get taken over? Maybe we did and we just don't know it. I don't yeah. know, but it's... I'm just not that important, you know, like, yeah. seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I really have no idea. So I'm in the process of rebuilding my, my website. I'm creating a platform of my own where everything that I do encompasses it or it's, it's on there. It's yeah. something that nobody can take away from me because here's the thing. I'm sad because my followers weren't fake people. Those were 
friends that I have made traveling this country that I have memories with the majority of them, you know, I mean, I either was a trade show where we met and just said hello, or it was a ladies event, or it was a Quill Forever banquet somewhere across the country. And now it's all gone. So yeah, I still have the photos, but I don't have the words that express the emotion of the moment. Well, you're lucky you still have the photos. You know, that's what I worry about with, say, Facebook, because over the years, I, I'm I, before I started really using social media to kind of promote what I do, I used Facebook mostly just to archive photographs, just so there'd be right. something online, because I've lost hard drives, mm-hmm. and then you lose those forever. So I'm like, oh, Facebook came around, I'm like, I can make little folders, I can make a hunting folder from, you know, 2016, and, and theoretically, they'll always be there. Uh, maybe not so much anymore, but that was, that's okay, what I always the- used for. <laughs> You're the digital guy. You need to be putting them on a hard drive and putting them in your gun safe. Yeah, well, I do have a few of those too, but yeah. I, I had, you know, or I dropped the hard drive and break it. <laughs> we have more hard drives than I know what to do. We have a pile of hard I'm drives. I'm staring oh at like God. seven of them yeah. right now. So many hard drives. It's ridiculous. Mm-mm. But, so, you know what? It, yeah. That's, it was like been, a cloud. that's been the hurdle. Yeah, it was like a cloud service for me, really. Then I could access them wherever. But, you know, and I'm looking, uh, you're an ambassador at Turning Point as well. Yeah, I've done some things with them, but unfortunately, their events are always during hunting season and something mm, very yeah. important. So it's like, <laughs> well, I'm probably <laughs> just going to stay in the field. Well, <laughs> and I, it's really easy to use the excuse, well, I don't have a dog sitter. You know, yeah. like, well, I yeah, use I gotta, that one all the time. Responsibilities. So I'm sorry. But, you know, they're doing really cool things. And, and my oldest is 20. So she's actually. Uh, you have a 20 year old? Wow. I'm old. Oh, come on. All right. Uh, yeah, chasing those dreams and, you know, in the high gear. But um, so she's all about ag econ and conservation and how these worlds collide. So the the world that I've introduced her to working with these organizations, like she was part of the NYLC for PFQF, which is their youth program. 20 kids were selected to serve uh, their high school years and they were mentored and educated with leadership skills and real life conservation information. And that was priceless for her. So I can't say that I've been the biggest influence in her life, but at least my friends gave her opportunity to find her own place in this industry. So I owe them for forever. And, you know, I say all the time, if you have not raised your kids with these organizations, like you're really missing out on some amazing mentors that give your kids things that they're never going to get with a ball team yeah. or in a oh, public yeah. school. And and I'm a huge FFA fan and, and supporter, but there's Ooh, nothing FFA. like these outdoor orgs, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so anyways, now she's at UGA. Well, she went to ABAC, which is like our ag school, the South. She did that for two years and loved it. And then was like, okay, next best thing. But when she was in high school, she wasn't driving yet. She fell in love with Ducks Unlimited. Hmm. And all she ever wanted to do was duck hunt. And I was like, you're going to have to find somebody. I don't know nothing <laughs> about that life. So I was actually in Birmingham at Caliber, which is a really high-end gun club there or store. Kim and BC with Ren and Ivy were having like a trunk show. Delta Waterfowl was there. I walked in. I met Kim for the first time. I'm like, that is the cutest chick I've ever seen in my life. She is my new best friend. And um, so Ren and Ivy is 
uh, company, they do really nice luggage style bags or gear bags for hunting. They're out of Mississippi. Okay. So I'm sitting there, we're talking about our kids and all these things. Well, Delta Waterfowl was there and they said, we know if we hear of a kid that wants to hunt, we make it happen. So Delta Waterfowl put a hunt together for my kid. They'd never met. She wasn't with me. And so we did like a lodge, um, hopper in Alabama. And so there was ladies that were working at Caliber. They'd never been on a hunting trip before. And Delta Waterfowl put all this together for us. It was so special. I'll never forget it. And then JC was hooked. She was absolutely hooked being around these people. And I told her, I said, listen, kid, life used to happen on the golf course, but it happens at the lodge. Now you better figure this out. And, um, so now she's, she's, chair of uga du and that was a goal that she had you know out of this experience um so she's doing making waves over there she's actually taking a break from school right now because she's interning in governor kemp's office and oh cool nice yeah so that's great she just does her own thing she spent the summer with csf so it's like when you talk about these certain organizations and you get into the meat of them, they all work together on certain levels and, um, and they're all important. So yeah, well, I encourage I, people to, to just find their place in, in all of them, you know, like now, and, and that way you have events all year round. Right. Yeah. And as much as I hate politics and generally most politicians, there's a few good ones out there, but, <laughs> It's we need more people like us to get into it and to and to make things a little bit better out there. So that's great. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, Georgia SEI is one big family. We had a tower shoot up Broom's Edge last month. We had so much fun. We're like, well, this was really wasn't like an SCI shoot. So let's let's advertise the next one as an SCI shoot and get everybody here because there were some people that didn't know about it. So I'll check Taterbug out of school on Friday at at lunch. We're gonna head down south to Broomsedge and shoot pheasants with all of our SCI friends in Georgia <sighs> and just have a blast, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, I just I can't say enough about what the organizations have done for me coming into this industry, not knowing anything, having so much passion and and love for the dogs but not knowing how to make a difference with it yeah well this is great i i know we've we've had you on for a long time and we could keep talking about i could talk about this stuff with you all day probably <laughs> but uh we're gonna let you go for now we're gonna have you back on again sometime here in the future we're sorry we're gonna miss you at pheasant fest this year uh, oh i know i missed that too and mr jimmy from Prairie Wildlife is winning the Hall of Fame Award for Conservation. It's the Conservationist Award. So please give him a hug for me. Uh, well, uh, maybe I'll shake his hand because the hug might yeah. be a little awkward. <laughs> but I'll tell him he said hi and congratulations. Uh, Anna V, AnnaVOutdoors.com. Where, where do we find your podcast? That would be anywhere you listen to your podcast. It's all American Wing Shooting Podcast. And the new Instagram is AnnaVOutdoors underscore. Anaveoutdoors underscore anaveoutdoors.com. Anavi, thank you for the time here on the show today. Thank you. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.